Man, you guys are sounding good. You're looking good. Normally, we always welcome those who are joining us online, so I want to do that as well. But wait one second, because I was just told that uh, not only is there overflow uh, this morning, but they just had to add seats to overflow. I don't know what that looks like or where they are, but would you just praise the Lord for everybody else? Yeah. And I can't tell you how thrilled I am that you have chosen, out of all the places you could be today on Resurrection Sunday, you've chosen First Baptist Simpsonville Upstate Church. And I know that there are probably going to be just as many who watch this online as are here today. And so we're so grateful. Here's what I want us to hear before anything else is, man, it's a whole lot more than one service. It's a whole lot more than one message. Everything we're going to hear today is more significant than a building with four walls and a man standing on a stage. I could care less if you remember my name five minutes from now, all right? The, the focus is not on a man. The focus is not on a band. The focus is not on a church. The focus is on a Savior. Really, Jesus is the whole reason, no matter why else you think you came, it may have been to make mama happy, all right? It may have been to make your girlfriend or your wife happy or uh, whatever. Here's the deal. You're here, and I want you to hear Jesus. I want you to connect with Jesus because there's nothing I can do to help you. I mean, I, 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 I can say I love you all day long, but look, I'm, I'm, I'm insignificant and I'm insufficient without Jesus, and our church, even though I love our church and I think our church is fantastic, our church without Jesus is a clubhouse, right? So look, we want you to hear Jesus. We want you to meet Jesus today. And this whole thing we call Resurrection Sunday or Easter, it's kind of the exclamation point on the greatest story ever told. And, and the weird thing about Easter is it's like the story you've already heard, right? And I know that that's that most people. Now, there's still a, a rare occasion where you may talk to somebody and they're like, Jesus, who's this guy? Never heard of him. Most people, especially in North American context, have heard of Jesus and at least that people believe in him and follow him and, and, and that they believe he died and he rose again. If you're in a church on Easter, you probably have heard something about this man named Jesus and so we're telling the old story that never gets old. We're, we're talking about this, this pinnacle of faith for those who call themselves Christians. But there's this major distinction in Christianity and all other religions. There really are multiple ones I wish we had time to talk about. One is that true Christianity is not about works. Contrary to popular belief, North American people, uh, and, and honestly, a lot of people call themselves Christians, kind of believe in some messed up, manipulated, skewed way that you've got to be good to be a Christian. Like you've got to work hard to become a Christian, which is contrary to what the Bible actually teaches, all right? So that's one thing that separates true Christianity from other religions. It's not based on you being a good person. That's not what Christianity is about at all. It's about you believing in a good God who sent his perfect son to die on the cross in your place, all right? So it's, it's not about you working for the cross. It's about you working from the cross. It's about you being a follower of Jesus. So that's one major thing. But then this other thing is like this resurrection story, all right? Because there's a lot of other religious leaders who were good men, who were prophets, who were who were, um, you know, I guess in a way, generational people that many people flocked to and, and followed and thought a lot of. 
But there's a major distinction between them and Jesus. See, you could get on a a plane and you could fly to Medina, Saudi Arabia and go to what's called the Green Dome. And inside the Green Dome, you're going to find a grave to the prophet Muhammad. The reason why is because he was a man who died. But then you could also get on a plane, fly to Jingquan, China, and you'll see a box. If you get there to this temple, you'll find a box that was found surrounded by 260 Uh, statues of Buddha. Pretty crazy. 260 life-size statues of Buddha. And on this box, there's an inscription that lets you know the contents of this box are the cremated remains of Buddha. But if you get on a plane like some in this room have even gone with me and, and you fly to Jerusalem, there are actually two different places that some people speculate or believe that it's possible that Jesus uh, actually was, was, was placed in a grave. There's the garden tomb, and then there's this place called the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. One is historically most likely. The other one really feels right. But either way, the fact of the matter is, there is two different options that could be the grave where Jesus was placed. Here's the difference in Christianity. There is no body in that grave, right? That's the difference. That's the difference. It's, it's a major difference. It's a major difference. If you're here and you're just kind of checking it out, you're kind of skeptical, but you're, you're curious, you've got to, you're going to hear this over and over again. You've got to lean into the facts, and there are intellectual facts. There is reasonable Uh, understanding and legitimate evidence for the belief. But here's the deal. At the end of the day, you're going to have to leave sight and you're going to have to trust in Jesus by faith. And that's 2 Corinthians 5, 7. We walk by faith, not by sight. This is like Christianity. Obviously, anything you believe, any kind of faith and religion or any kind of thing, this would be true. You You can't just try to figure it out. And some people may say, well, wait, atheism is, is not that way. You just follow your sight. No, no. For me, you've got to have a lot more faith to believe in nothing than to believe in something. And so even if you're an atheist, if you don't believe in God, you still have faith. It's in faith of the unknown. It's in faith. There's a point to where you can't prove it, and you're, got, you're taking a leap of faith in what you believe to be true. And when it comes to Jesus, this is what we're going to really talk about today. It's all about recognizing that what we've been told and what we think to be true so many times is actually the opposite. We think that seeing is believing. But in reality, believing is seeing. Because we walk by faith, not by sight. Um, there, uh, there's this show that came out on Netflix recently called Is It Cake? I don't know if you saw it just happens to be about food. It's not that I have a fixation on food, but they're going to show you a picture of an example of like a test they do. These these contestants have to look at an item and decide, is it cake or is it the item? Like, is it a cheeseburger or is it cake? For me, who cares? Let's eat it. Amen. You know what I'm saying? I really don't care. If it's a cheeseburger, oh, I lose. Give it here. <laughs> you know, I'm taking it. It's going, I'm, it's bacon preferably, some jalapenos, that'd be great, all that. But it, 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 they cut into some of these things, they're like, what? It's cake, are you kidding? One of them's like a bowling ball. And you're like, are you kidding me? A purse, it's crazy. Watch the show, it's funny. But anyway, here's the deal. The whole point is, sometimes we think seeing is believing, but it's not because you can think you see the right thing, but you really don't see it for what it really is. 
And so in, in spiritual things, especially Christianity, what we're talking about today, following Jesus, we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes. How do we walk by faith? Romans 10, 10 17. Listen to this. Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So there is full disclosure. There's no way, no way that you can be a sincere follower of Jesus and reject this book. Because the words of Jesus, actually the word of God, there's no way we even know about this man named Jesus without trusting the word. And so with that, we understand faith does come by hearing and we have to have faith. It's not gonna come by seeing, but, but how, do we, how do we get this faith? By hearing the word of God and the Holy Spirit of God moving on us while we're actually hearing the revelation and being illuminated by the word. So in Luke chapter 24. Would you turn in, turn on your Bibles to Luke chapter 24? Uh, if you don't have a Bible or you don't have an iPhone or an iPad to pull it up, uh, there's a Bible in front of you most likely in the pews in front of you. Feel free to, to take that home. If you don't have a Bible at home, please take those Bibles home. I mean, they're for you, man. Use it here and then put it in your purse and take it home. Be great. But Luke's gospels, the fourth gospel in the New Testament, so kind of go to the middle of the Bible, go to the right, and you'll find Luke at the top there, Luke chapter 24. Luke 24 is like the end of the story, all right? And at the end of the story, I'm going to go ahead and kind of a little spoiler alert, just in case this is a new story to you. Uh, Jesus has already risen from the grave, all right? So in verse 17, he's already risen. Uh, the ladies have gone to the, the tomb. They found the tomb empty. The angels have appeared to them. They're like going crazy. They go back and they tell everybody about uh, this, this, this empty tomb and that the angel said that Jesus is alive again. And so we pick up in verse 17, I'm sorry, in verse 13, Luke 24, 13, that very day, what day? The day that Jesus rose from the, the dead. That very day, two of them, followers of Jesus, were going to the village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened and while they were talking or discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing Jesus. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding uh, with each other uh, while you're walking? And they stood still and looked sad. It's like they looked at him in shock and said, said uh, Cleopas actually said, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who does not know the things that are happening here in these days? And he said to them, what things are you talking about? And they said, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. Notice how Cleopas answers. This is who he thought Jesus was, just a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And how our chief priests and the rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. I want you to kind of keep your finger on that passage because we're gonna be coming back to Luke 24 in just a moment. But let me just kind of paraphrase where we are. We have these two guys walking on a road to a town called Emmaus. They're talking about all the stuff that's happened. And Jesus comes up and says, hey guys, what are y'all talking about? And, and, and Cleopas says, what are you, new? You haven't heard? I mean, what's going on? I mean, how, how could you possibly not know about what's going on. Where have you been? Have you missed this whole story about Jesus of Nazareth who died and who's basically been murdered by our religious leaders? And Jesus was like, what things are you talking about? I mean, and, and, and when you read this, it's kind of like, why does Jesus do this? It's kind of similar if you think about it. If you remember the story when Jesus asked Peter, 
He said, hey, who do the people say that I am? Well, Peter answered that. And then he said, well, who do you say that I am, Peter? Now, why would he say that? Because he wanted to hear from Peter what he believed about him. And in the same way, Jesus was trying to draw out of these two men what they actually believed about Jesus. They were talking about him. So here's the deal. Look, they had some intellectual knowledge about him. They had gone to Sunday school, right? I mean, they, they knew that Jesus' mom was named Mary. You know, he's born in Bethlehem. They may, maybe they knew some stuff. They, they got some intellectual understanding about who Jesus is. But as far as like knowing him and really knowing him, seeing him for who he really was, they were missing the boat. The resurrected Christ was standing in front of them, but they, they didn't even know who he was. They saw him, but they didn't really see him. And so here's kind of our idea. It's possible to see something, but not really see it. It's possible to see something, but not really see it. I, I, this is a strange example, but I want you to watch a video in just a second. This video is going to kind of, I think, lay it out and give us another way of looking at it. Check this out real quick. To test just how much attention the attention-stealing design of the new Skoda Fabia actually steals, we left one parked on this ordinary road in West London. We wanted to see if its sharp crystalline shapes, bold lines and lower, wider profile would attract the desired level of attention. Will the 17-inch black alloy wheels stop passers-by in their tracks? Will the angular headlights attract the attention of other road users? Will a crowd gather to check out its fresh, sporty look? Well, not quite. But did the attention-stealing design distract you from noticing that the entire street has been changing right before your very eyes? Don't believe us? Have another look. Did you spot the van changing to a taxi? How about the scooter changing to a pair of bicycles? Or the lady holding a pig? let alone the fact that the entire street is now completely different. Didn't think so. So there we have it. Proof that the new Skoda Fabia is truly attention-stealing. <laughs> now, Skoda Fabia, if, you've, if you're like me, what in the world is that? Man, some British car. So the point's not the car, Skoda Fabia. The point is, you can see something but not really see it. There are things happening sometimes that we're not aware of because we're focused on the wrong thing. And I think that's the picture here in the passage. These guys had been aware of Jesus. They were familiar with Jesus. In fact, we're going to find out they had hopes. They had expectations of Jesus. Yet they missed him for who he really was. So it's possible to see something but not really see it. And so there are many people, I believe... In this room today, maybe an overflow today, maybe watching at home today, there are many people who are a lot like these two men. They have all the intellectual knowledge necessary. Man, you, maybe you've even studied the Bible. You've, you've studied Christianity. Maybe you were raised in Christianity like, like me, but maybe you missed Jesus altogether. You may say, how can that happen? It happened to these two guys. And there's no doubt it happens to many people. Perhaps a large percentage of people who think they're a Christian, even today. So Romans 10, 17 kind of reminds us, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. We walk ultimately by faith, not by sight. Let's continue reading. Look at verse 21. Luke 24, 21. 
But we had hoped, listen to these guys, we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Man, we had expectations of Jesus. We had hoped he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all of this, it's now third, third day. Look, three days have passed since these things happened. He's been dead for three days. Moreover, some women, <laughs> I don't think this was a positive thing. Some women in our company amazed us, kind of like shocked us. They shocked us with this word. They were at the tomb early this morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they saw some visions of angels and who had said that he was alive. But some of the disciples, some of the men went to the tomb and they found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. They didn't see him. So what, what are they saying? They didn't believe the women. They didn't believe that he had been risen. If they had believed he had been risen, they would have never said, we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Past tense, we had hoped. But then if you notice, Jesus responds in a very specific way. Oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and the prophets, Jesus actually interpreted the scriptures to them. He showed them in the scriptures all of the things concerning himself. And so like many people today, these two men knew enough to be dangerous. They had enough about the Bible. They may could quote a couple of scriptures. They might could find critically some areas of the Bible they were skeptical of. And so they were very familiar with the things they didn't like, the things they didn't agree with. And, and, and here we see they had enough knowledge to be dangerous, but they, they didn't know him. They may have saw him, but they didn't really see him for who he was. They undoubtedly knew the Old Testament like the Pharisees, but they missed the point altogether. They had a big misunderstanding of who Jesus was. They called him a prophet, mighty in deed and word. But Jesus was much more than a prophet. Jesus didn't leave them where he found them. And this is the cool thing. Look, all of us are in the same boat in this regard. You may have come into this room and maybe you're like these two guys. Maybe you got some information, but you just, you're skeptical and you're, just, you know, you're, you're slow to get into this, this thing called faith. You're just not sure, right? You see it, but you don't, you don't necessarily see it yet. And here's what I would say. Jesus is going to take you where you are, but he's not going to leave you there. And I'm telling you from first-person experience, God found me where I was, undone, undeserving, and he's made me what I am today. Here's the fact of the matter. The fact of the matter is I'm not perfect today. I still fail, God. I'm, I'm not perfect. But here's the fact is I live now in him. And so at the end of the day, I'm empowered at least by the power of God through his spirit. And so when I fail him, I'm convicted by the Holy Spirit and I run back to the cross. I don't live in the sin. I don't want to dwell there. I want to dwell in him. And so he changes our heart and he changes our mind. Jesus never leaves you where he finds you. And your circumstances may be terrible, man. You may be hopeless, You may be undone. You may be discouraged. Your marriage may be on the rocks. You may have come today to save it. You're like, how can I save it? Not by sight. Promise you, it'll only be by faith. It's only by faith that we're able to please God. And I can promise you today, if you will seek him, you will find him. If you want to know the truth, He will reveal it to you. Now, it may not be the truth you want, 
but he will give you the truth. Here's the simple fact. If, if you open your heart by faith, Jesus will open your eyes to see like you have never seen before. If you approach this thing called religion with sight, and you're one of those folks who would say, I'm not going to believe it unless I see it, then the truth is you're never going to know Jesus. You may say, well, I'm almost there, Wayne. I can't tell you how many people, man, in over 20 years I've been a pastor, how many people I've talked to, and they'd say, Wayne, I'm almost there. I believe, you know, but I'm just, there's just like three things. Three, there's three scriptures. There's just one or two things. I just, if it weren't for this, I'd believe. I just, you know, I'm just this few things. I'm almost there. Let me just say this in the way of a warning, all right? But it's totally true. I mean, it's not like a scare tactic. Being almost saved is being completely lost. Being almost saved is not going to take you to heaven. And sometimes people's like reluctance to embrace Jesus is because they think they've got to do it. They've got to earn it. They've got to be good enough. And that's just not the case. We've got to come to Christ recognizing we can't. There is no way we can be good enough to go to heaven. And so we have to come to him undone. We have to legitimately crawl on our figurative face to the cross, knowing that we don't deserve it. No pastor, no teacher, no deacon, you, I, we don't deserve God's grace, but he still offers it to you. He's offering it to you, but listen, he's not offering it to you by sight. Got to see to believe, you will never believe. You will never believe if you've got to see to believe. But if you want to see, believe and he will open your eyes. If you open your heart by faith, Jesus will open your eyes to see like you've never seen before. Let's continue reading. Look at verse 28. Luke 24, 28. So they drew near to the village to which they were going, Emmaus. He acted as if uh, that he was going to go on further. So Jesus is like continuing to walk. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it's toward evening. It's getting late in the day. The day's almost spent. So he went in and he stayed with them. Now this is pretty cool because we see kind of a flashback to the upper room. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave to them. And this is so significant, the bread... Jesus, the bread of life, is breaking the bread with them. And as he breaks the bread, their eyes were opened and they recognized Jesus for who he really was. And then he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while we, we talked uh, to him on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And so there's a beautiful uh, point here in the passage where their eyes were open. Faith in Jesus became real to them. Why? Because they invited him to stay. It's a big difference. That, that one decision that they made. What if they'd allowed him to continue to walk? What if they'd allowed him to continue to go and not to invite him to stay? What if you go home today and you don't make a decision to invite Jesus in? Then nothing will change in your life. Your faith will not grow and theirs would not have either. They would not have seen Jesus for who he really is. And so today this is a very important thing. Look, we're gathered here 
in this beautiful building, people even across the lobby. This is amazing. It's a great day. Resurrection Sunday. I'm so glad that you and your family are here on Easter Sunday. You have come here, no doubt, to meet Jesus. But understand, if you leave him here, you are no better for it. If you've just come to church and you just come to a building and it's just four walls, then, then you're no better for it. Here's the deal. Take him home, right? Take him home today. Don't look at Jesus like he's in some box at number three Head Street in Simpsonville, South Carolina. Jesus is not in a box. Jesus is not in a building. Jesus can live inside of you. Take him home today. Take him home. Invite him in. That's what these two men did. They invited him to stay. They, they had him dwell with them. And as he dwelt with them, this personal presence of Jesus abiding with him, they met with him and they saw him for who he really was. Look at verse 33. We've got to move on. Verse 33, and they rose that same hour. Jesus is gone. They ran to Jerusalem and they found the 11. Why 11? Because Judas is dead, right? They found the 11 and those who were with them gathered together saying, the Lord has risen indeed. Guys, the women were right. We should have known it. Amen. <laughs> Just extra, throw it in there. So, so hey, the Lord has risen indeed. And he appeared to Simon and, and, and hey, what happened, they, they basically told him all that happened on the road and how Jesus came and he told them from the Old Testament how he had known to them, made known to them in, in the breaking of bread and oh, our eyes were opened. And, and so ultimately what happened is their faith became hearing and their hearing came by the word of Christ. This is how these men believed. They didn't walk by sight, they walked by faith. And when they walked by faith, they believed by, that God opened their eyes and he saw, they saw all that um, that he was trying to teach them. I'm going to give you three things really quickly as we land the plane, all right? Here are the three things. First of all, kind of lessons from the text. First thing, Jesus is our Savior. All these things are super elementary, and you're going to know them, but it's important. Jesus is our Savior. Jesus is not just, he's not just a prophet. Jesus is not just a religious figure. Jesus is not just a reason to come and celebrate resurrection one time a year. That's not what, we meet every Sunday for a reason, because Sunday's the day he rose from the dead. We celebrate the resurrection 52 weeks a year. Every Sunday, we come to worship the resurrected Jesus. And so Jesus is our savior, but I wanna focus on one thing that they, they said, because I think this is so relevant to us. One of them said, we had hoped. We had hoped that he was. We had hoped that he had come. We had hoped, past tense. But here's the truth. All of us have hoped. Man, I had hoped that we wouldn't have gotten this physical report about my health. We had hoped that I wouldn't lose my job. We had hoped that our kids wouldn't go crazy. We had hoped that our parents wouldn't be so nuts, you know. We, we had hoped that life wouldn't be nut, crazy. We had hoped that COVID-19 wouldn't stay around for two years. We had hoped that politics would not drive our nation in the ground. We had hoped that we wouldn't be so divided over insignificant things as a church, not our church in particular, just Christians in North America. We had hoped, here's the deal. You know what the resurrected Jesus does? He changes our we had hoped to we have hope. Jesus changes the way we speak about things. 
So when we face the impossible situations, we have hope. It's not we had hoped, we have hope. So today, you can leave with a present hope in Jesus. Doesn't mean our circumstances are going to be perfect. But it does mean we're not going to seek solutions in earthly things. We're not going to beg Biden or Trump to solve our problems. They are our problem. Yeah. Uh, hey, look, that's not political. That's not political. That's just true. When we place our faith in people, people let us down. Jesus will not let you down. So we're not going to place our faith in a politician. We're not going to hope in Washington to solve the problems. We're not going to hope in the pastor to solve our problems. We're going to place our faith in a Savior. Jesus is worthy. He's worthy of more than one day a year. He's worthy of more more than one, one day a week. He's worthy of our lives. He saved us from death, hell, and the grave. So Jesus is our Savior. Secondly, Jesus is our life. Jesus is our life. He's not, just, uh, he's not just our life as far as like oxygen in our lungs, even though that's pretty amazing. He definitely uh, holds all things together. Paul says in the book of Colossians that uh, in him all things were made, but also that all things consist. He holds all things together. The power of Christ is greater than just the cross. All things were made through him, by him, and for him. So even in the beginning, God the Son was. And so this is a bigger deal than we, we even like to admit. Yes, he, he gives us physical life, but more than that, he gives us abundant life. When we come to faith in him, and we don't approach this gospel by sight, but we approach it by faith, what he does is he opens up our eyes to an abundant life, an abundant life that causes us or allows us to walk on top of the waves of the circumstances that stink, all right? This life is not going to always get better. In fact, a lot of people think somehow the utopian thing, we're going to get better and better and better. That is obviously not true. Quite confident. Things are going to get worse. You may think they couldn't get any worse than this. I promise you, they're going to get worse eventually. And here's the thing. A Christian doesn't respond to the circumstances and say, we had hoped. No. A Christian responds and says, we have hope. Why? Because our life is in Jesus He's given us an abundant life that's not determined by these circumstances. He's given us an abundant life that we we rise above the waves. We rise above the difficulties, the struggles, the pain. And we live in him. And so he gives us an abundant life. But then, glory to God, he gives us eternal life. The bad thing is sometimes we just focus on the eternal life. And we forget that he's given us the, the abundant life. But here's the problem. So many people, again, lean on information. And they're thinking intellectually, I've got to to believe it in my mind. I've got to see it. I've got to cross the T's. I've got to dot all the I's. But listen, transformation doesn't come by information. Transformation comes only by encounter. So the only way we're ever going to know Jesus, the only way we're ever going to live that abundant life and rise above the ways is if we, we stop trying to figure it out. Even think back to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, not with all of your head. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. And guess what? He's going to direct your paths. Stop trying to figure it out. Walk by faith, not by sight. That's the only hope we have. Jesus is our savior. Jesus is our life. Finally, Jesus is alive. It'd be one thing. 
If he just died so we could live, that's part of it, all right? Don't get me wrong. He died on the cross so we could live. And in his death, he did give us life. We talked about the olive tree a couple weeks back. If you remember, and how even in death, the olive tree produces new life. And that's a beautiful picture of Jesus and what he did for us. The, the fact of the matter is Jesus didn't just die to give us life. He is also alive. He rose again. The two men couldn't keep this to themselves. They were so excited, they had to go tell these other 11 disciples. And while they were talking to, to the 11 disciples about Jesus, if you look with me in verse 39, check this out. Jesus showed up, all right? So, so Luke 24, 39, he said, Jesus said, see my hands and see my feet, that it is me. Look at my hands, look at my feet, it's me. Touch me and see. For a spirit doesn't have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands, he showed them his feet. It was like he was saying, look right here, this is where the spike went in my hands. Look, this is where the nail scars are. Look, this is where the spear, you, you don't believe? Look, see, see for yourselves, it is me. He showed them his, his nail scarred hands and his feet. And while they were still disbelieving for joy, you, what's that mean? What's this like too good to be true? I mean, they were like, I can't, this is unbelievable. It wasn't like they were doubting now. They were disbelieving for joy and were marveling. He said to them, hey man, you got any chicken in the refrigerator? Isn't that, do y'all see that? Hey, you got something to eat? I just always think it's cool. Jesus, that's why I like food so much, amen? And, and so Jesus says, hey, have you got anything here to eat? <laughs> Seems kind of out of place there. But, uh, but then we see in verse 44, notice he comes back around. Then he said to them, these are my words I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law and the prophets, Moses and all that Psalms, look, it's, it's gotta be fulfilled. Look at verse 45. It reminds us of verse 31. You remember in verse 31, the eyes of those two men were opened. Look at verse 45. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. You see, Romans 10, 17, we, we heard just meant faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Some people see Jesus for who they want him to be. If we're not careful, we all do it. We all mess up. Look, many people believe in a plastic Jesus that's on the lawn of their house every December. I call this the Ricky Bobby Talladega Nights Jesus, all right, right? I mean, they got this idea. Yeah, they believe Jesus and they've got Jesus, kind of this idea of who they want Jesus to be. Some try to see him through the lens of reason. Super smart people, no doubt. And I get that. I understand. Man, we're all tempted to figure it out. We're all tempted to see it in order to believe it. But they desire physical proof. Let me just say, you will never believe in Jesus by requiring physical proof. Just like you will never fully believe in anything if you're demanding physical proof. Everything requires faith. Still other people seek a savior who lives in a magic lamp and he grants wishes every time they pray. They have a me-centered gospel and a me-centered world. They are convinced it really is all about them. And many of those people go to church every Sunday morning 
still more like these two men who just had different expectations. Man, they want Jesus. They believe Jesus. But they just thought he was dead. It's too good to be true, right? All the ladies said they saw him, but we had hoped. We had hoped. Dad, mom, son, daughter, you can have hope today. It doesn't have to be a thing of the past. You don't have to dread life every morning when you wake up. You don't have to be defined by the news report that you see on television. The fact is, today, you can leave this place knowing Jesus. So where do we go from here? I hope and pray, as much as this sounds backwards, I hope and pray you'll become dissatisfied with a passing experience. I hope you'll become dissatisfied with a momentary spiritual emotion because that's kind of what we get sometimes when we come together in a large group of people and we're excited about what Jesus did. And it's good, don't get me wrong, but it's so much more than that. He is so much more than this. Jesus is better. Jesus is bigger. Take him home. Easter is not a one-time event like a birthday. It's a foundation of a life in Jesus Christ. Jesus came to give us his life so that you could have purpose in yours, so that you could have abundant and eternal life with him. The truth is, if you open your heart by faith, Jesus will open your eyes to see like you have never seen before. And so I hope and pray today that if you open your eyes, he will help you see as you have faith in him, as you trust him as your savior, you'll see like you've never seen before. And you'll begin to experience that life abundant here, but eternal forever. Would you pray with me, Lord? We love you. God, we recognize our inability, God, even my inability to to communicate in an appropriate way. Lord, there's no way that any words I could say would be good enough. And I, I feel that way every Sunday, but God, especially on a day like today, I wish there was some way that I could convince people to believe. But I know I don't, we can't manipulate. We can't, we won't manipulate. So Lord, I sincerely pray with all of my heart that you'll do what I can't do, that you will reach into the hearts of every man, woman, boy, and girl, and that you would convict. God, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would show us that we've got to take the step of faith. God, we've got to believe. God, I pray as we believe, we will see. Lord, that we will see how abundant a life you've given us and how beautiful our life will be with you forever as we live with you in heaven. We love you in Jesus' name. Would you stand?